I believe everyone has a story to tell. And I believe everyone deserves a little pampering. Welcome to Manny's with Grannies. I'm your host, Tiffany Marino. Join me while I sit down with a woman over 70 and get to know her while giving her a manicure. June, thank you for having me in your home today for this episode of Manny's with Grannies. How are you feeling today? Wonderful. Great. I'm glad to hear that. So how long have you been in this house? Since 1972. Wow, 1972. So we're in 2023 now. Is that That's 31 years? That's a lot of history in one home. This was just a little teeny tiny house here. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for a place to buy because I was divorced by then. But when we bought it, I called it my uh, postage stamp on a soda cracker. (laughs) That's how small it was. We built on the front, and then we built on the back. And I I like my house. So you said you were divorced before you moved here. Right. Did you have children in your first marriage? Yes, I have three children, and they all three were from my first marriage. I was married for 20 years, and I had three wonderful children. Can you talk about um, why your first marriage didn't work out? It was a blonde. <laughs> you decided you weren't into blondes anymore? <laughs> he, he was. <laughs> yeah? I, I, I like blondes. Uh-huh. But yeah. some of them don't operate very nicely. Anyway, he left me to marry this other girl after 20 years and three beautiful children. And I'm sure he regretted it. I hope he did. So this was home. My mother and dad lived up on Fox Hill. You might have to go home that way and see Fox Hill. Okay. It's a pretty ride. (laughs) Well, you have to see it. (laughs) So anyway, that's why I came back to Pennsylvania. So did you grow up in Pennsylvania? Yes, in Warren. Graduated from Warren High School. Why did you decide to leave? Oh, my sister-in-law lived, moved to Florida, and she was living alone down there. And so I was married to her brother, and her brother felt he needed to go down and help her out since she was alone, coping alone. And when he said he was moving to Florida, I was his wife. I had to go, didn't I? Yes. Mm-hmm. Did you have the three kids already? Yeah. What was it like moving from Pennsylvania to Florida with three kids? Well, I was unhappy because our life up here was so wonderful. And I was living with an in-law. That was a little difficult. But then we got our own house down there and it was better. He worked at Pratt & Whitney in Florida. Did you work as well? I finally did work. First, I worked part-time at a bowling alley. I counted the money and kept track of the records. I was like a secretary. Then I got a job at Palm Beach Gardens Elementary School, and that was great. And that was my work in Florida. What did you do at the elementary school? Uh, I was in the office, and I did payroll and paperwork and just what a secretary does mm-hmm. in the school office. It was it was a nice job, and I loved the people I worked with and loved the principal. And my daughter went to Palm Beach Gardens Elementary. The boys went to Howell Watkins Junior High, and we, we built a house. It was a really nice house. So 
you were living in Florida, and then how did it feel to move back to Pennsylvania? Oh, it was wonderful. I moved in with my mother and dad for a while before we bought this house. Then there was a little store in Akeley. You probably went by it. Mm -hmm. It's not a store anymore. It's empty. It had been a red and white store for probably 100 years. <laughs> and Bill Hale, it was his store. It was Hale's Red and White. His dad had owned it and run it. His granddad had owned it and run it. I'm not sure how back, how far back it went, but some people told me that it had been an Indian trading post one time. Mm -hmm. See, now that might not be true, but I was told that once in a while. Anyway, it was a nice little red and white store with, oh, he sold tires and tools and outdoor clothing and groceries. And there was nothing else around here to buy anything, you know, so he made, it was pretty good. And it, it turned out to be kind of a social place because everybody around here, people didn't travel around very much. They didn't go anywhere else to buy their groceries. And it was, it was just fun. You go down there and chat with your neighbors. And so uh, I had bought groceries from Bill before we moved down there. I mean, I had been a regular customer. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he heard I was back up here from Florida, he gave me a call. Wanted to take me out to dinner. And that <laughs> ended up in a marriage. And he was a nice, nice guy, Bill Hale. And then Walmart moved in. Okay. And then Kmart was here. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't, you know, a little grocery store like that, he couldn't compete. He couldn't keep the volume of merchandise. Mm -hmm. But everybody, all the old people around here, just speak very highly of Bill Hale and his store. Mm -hmm. Did you help work at the store? I, I did his book work, but I did it at home here. I didn't work down at the store. Did your kids get along with their stepdad? Oh, yes, yes. He was he was just a nice guy, got along with everybody. What was it like when he decided to close the store? Well, everybody around here was sad, but the competition with Walmart couldn't be handled he didn't have the access to truckloads of stuff and everything. Then people weren't driving as much when he, you know, when the store was down there. Well, they were they were coming in their horse and buggies, but anyway, uh, he just realized, and he was getting older and tired, mm -hmm. and uh, he realized he was not going to be in business very long because people had cars to go places, and they went right by his store down to Walmart, mm -hmm. so. He decided to sell, and we all were sad, but I think we all understood that it was probably the best thing for him to do. Was it a decision that he made himself? Or, yes. Because you were doing the books, so you saw the the numbers, right? Right, yeah. I mean, it was his decision. I didn't have any input, but I was glad that he did that. And then we had a good life here in this house after he retired. You mentioned um, people getting around with their horse and buggy and people getting cars. Do you remember your family getting the first car? Oh, yes. We lived in Warren on Urban Street. My dad worked for the United Refinery building gas stations around Pennsylvania. 
So he had a company card, but he wasn't supposed to use it for recreation or anything. So on Sundays, that car would sit out there and we'd say, can't we go for a ride? And we couldn't. Finally, I think I was about 14 when we finally did get our own car. People just didn't. It wasn't like now. I mean, buying a car was a big deal then. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what kind of car you got? I think it was a Ford something or other. I No, I don't remember. But then we would go for Sunday drives, and that was wonderful. Before your family had a car, did you have a horse? No, we never did. So how did you get around? Uh, walked. We walked every place, but we didn't go much. I mean, we kids walked to school back and forth. And about once every two weeks, my mother would walk over town. I mean, we lived outside of the general town area. <clears throat> she would walk downtown, and she didn't have much money, but she'd find something to, to buy. Anyway, it was after the Depression, and nobody had much money then. So that's why we didn't get a car for so long. Do you remember what year you were born? 1931. Okay, so that's toward the end of the Depression. It was easing up then, and things were getting better, but we were still, there were five kids, so we were still struggling a little bit, but my mother always managed to take good care of us, and we had relatives around Warren, aunts and uncles and everything, and so people traded, you know. One aunt would give us six jars of canned rhubarb, and we'd give her a lettuce, maybe tomatoes. Do you remember what your family had to, to offer the barter? Garden things, tomatoes, potatoes. We grew potatoes. Did you help in the garden? Yeah, somewhat, but I was the youngest, and so it was like, you can't make her work. She's just a little kid. <laughs> So I helped some, but not as much. The rest of the kids were told they had to work, and I was told to behave myself, I guess. Are any of your brothers and sisters still with us? One sister. She's going to be 94 in August. She lives in Harrisburg. She has a very pretty big home. She lives alone. She tools around with her walker. Do you live alone as well? No, my son Gary and his wife Pam live here with me. And then I have the caregiver, and Kathy fills in when the caregiver's gone. I'm never alone, and I don't need constant 24-hour care. I'm not that bad. But they all have the number of the state hospital insane asylum <laughs> handy. <laughs> How many times have they had to use it? <laughs> <laughs> It's been close. <laughs> We're going by the state hospital, and Gary will reach over to open the door and say, here, this is where you get <laughs> off. <laughs> but my kids are fun and funny and lovable, and they're all really good to me. How many kids do you have? Three. <laughs> Jimmy lives in Florida. Gary lives here, and Kathy lives in Erie. She owns that big lake out there. <laughs> That's nice. Isn't that nice? Uh -huh. That's very nice. <laughs> so what was your favorite part of motherhood? Oh, I don't know. I, I loved every minute of it, I think, because I didn't work then. And um, I just thought my kids were the most wonderful thing that had ever happened to me. And I loved all three of them. What was the hardest part about being a mother? Well, when Gary got a little older, when he was like 13 or 14, he started doing teenage things. 
not bad, but I was found myself coping with situations that I had never expected to. But none of my kids ever gave me any big problems. If you could give some advice to new mothers, what would that be? Oh, just love your kids. Hold them, sing to them, read to them. Just make sure they're well taken care of, fed. Kathy has a daughter, Andrea, who lives in Edinburgh. Andrea and her husband, Nick, have a baby girl who's almost two. So you're a, you're a great-grandmother. Oh, yeah. I, I, have, a, I have a great-granddaughter who's 26. She's my great-granddaughter, too. Anyway, this little, they named her Matilda June. Matilda and then June after me. And she is the sweetest, cutest, probably the, the cutest little girl ever was born. <laughs> She's adorable. And do you think that has anything to do with her name? Well, I'm a little prejudiced, I think. But anyway. Um, How does it feel to have someone named after you? I really feel honored. I mean, I think that was nice of those kids. They're both nice. And they read to Tilly every night. And Tilly is going to be two, and you'd think she was like seven because she does. Of course, she's my great-grandchild, so of course she's outstanding. You know, All those are looking so good. Did you graduate from high school? Warren High. Did you get any education after high school? No, I wanted to go to college so much. I was always on the honor roll. I got good grades. I was college material. But at that point, it, my mother and dad, was after the Depression, they didn't have any money. And none of the guidance counselors, I still get mad about that. None, none of the guidance counselors called me in and said, hey, June, your grades are good. You probably could get a scholarship. But they were catering to the more elite kids in school, social, social mm -hmm. doctors, kids. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. So I never did get to go to college. I would have loved to have gone to college. What do you think you would have went for? English, social studies. I thought I wanted to be a teacher. But nowadays I look at the teaching profession. I think, oh, thank goodness. I didn't end up a teacher. Mm -hmm. I think they have it rough. Mm -hmm. Oh, these look so good. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. Oh, I hated those long nails. There's a little nut polish here we need to get off. I didn't notice that earlier. I have nail polish remover. I'll get it from my bag. In a oh, my caregiver one couple times has put some polish on there. That's nice. Only because she thinks it makes me look glamorous. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to tell you a story about the store, okay. Bill's Red and White store. Yeah. Of course, it was it was small. I mean, he had canned goods. He had hunting supplies. He had nails. He had, you know, tools, a little bit of everything. He had greeting cards and gifts, and it was a nice little store, and it served the purpose because people weren't tooling around much and going out and play. So anyway, he had a little... As you walked in the store to the right, there was a little area that he had put into uh, vegetables. He couldn't buy vegetables ahead of time, so, so it was quite a small, but he kept things that people needed, you know. And 
potatoes and tomatoes and cucumbers and, and seasonal things. So anyway, he had this little teenager working for him, Wendy, and she was sitting behind the counter. There were no customers in. It was a quiet day for her. And she looked down on the counter and there was a grub. Oh. And of course, she just got all, you know, yucky. And uh, apparently it come off one of the vegetables or something. So she, she couldn't find a fly, fly swatter. So she picked up a newspaper and rolled it up and whap, 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 whap. She kept hitting it until she was sure it had to be dead. Mm-hmm. So she picked it up very carefully so she could throw it, throw it out. It was my husband's hearing aid. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> Did it still work after she tried to oh, kill it? Yeah. So that's, we have a lot of funny stories about the store, but that's the highlight, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I bet there's a lot of funny stories living in the walls of this house as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. With my kids in Harrisburg, I have my sister. And one of her sons lives in Delaware, and her other son lives right nearby her. And she's 94 and gets around really good with her walker. I'm really jealous of her. She can do a lot more than I can. So anyway, she'll be, well, she'll be 94 in August. But she's, she lives alone. She's taking care of herself and her house. And Do you get to talk often? Well, yeah. In fact, they just brought her up a couple weeks ago, brought her up here, and she stayed here for two nights. And we had picnics, and we had a lot of fun. You spent the majority of your life living here. What do you think makes living in this area so special? Oh, first of all, the beauty around me. I mean, everything, you know, I can look out. I can see hummingbirds and birds and other birds and <laughs> crazy birds. I can see the golfers sometimes. And uh, I have a wonderful next door neighbor. Well, on both sides, wonderful neighbors. I go to a really, really neat church, Cable Hollow Evangelical Church. I haven't been able to go to church because of my pain. I can't walk right. I can't even walk with my walker now. Somebody has to help me. So anyway, the church, I, I, you know, most of the church family are still my family, and I love them all. And uh, that's easy to say, isn't it? I love them all. I probably, if I stopped and thought, there might be one or two <laughs> that I just liked. <laughs> but no, the church is really nice and, and uh, very good to me, even now. You know, they stop and visit and send food in and flowers and, oh, let me see what else. I like being near the golf course, but just looking out the window and seeing trees and hills and birds and then we have a lot of deer around here but this past month we had a bear visit here almost every night for over a week and he tears down the bird feeders and rips them up or else he hauls them back out back somewhere and they have to go looking for him He's after the sunflower seed, of course. So anyway, the, my son Gary started taking the feeders into the garage at night. So he mm. hasn't bothered us for a couple of weeks now. But he, other people have seen him, and apparently he's been injured. He's a three-legged bear and walks a three-legged with a limp. Bear? Wow. He probably was hit one. by a car or caught in a trap or something. But anyway, 
Some people have pictures of them. Thinking back to when you moved back to Pennsylvania and Bill asked you out, do you remember your first date? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And see, I'd known Bill forever for a long time because I traded at the store. Uh huh. And so he was like a friend to the whole family. And he called me one night. There was a restaurant in Jamestown that was really special. I don't know if they're still there. Anyway, it was expensive. And one of those uh, that you would take a girl out on the first date, maybe. Mm-hmm. maybe a special Mac- occasion. Yeah. Maybe McDonald's the second date. But <laughs> anyway, he took me up there to, to dinner. And even though I had known him, you know, as he, he was... The guy that ran the store. I mean, everybody liked Bill, but it was still was exciting to be out on a date and know that somebody cared enough. So then after that date, we started going together and he finally proposed. What was his proposal like? I think we were sitting on a, on his mother's couch at his mother's apartment. And he just said, well, let's get married. It wasn't anything special, but... We got married on November 22nd. I was working at the fish hatchery, Allegheny National. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a secretary there. Best job I ever had. I loved it. And one day I was getting ready to come home from work and I picked up a bunch of papers and I kind of glanced through. And there was our marriage application. And that day was the last day. They ran out, I think, in three months. Mm-hmm. And it, it ran out that day. We had he's busy at the store. I was busy with my job and the kids and everything. But hadn't even looked, and I don't know how I even happened to look at it that day. So I came home. And I said, you know, either we get married today, or we have to pay for another <laughs> application. So he was willing to get married that day. So we had a brand new preacher up at Cable Hollow Church. Orville Wolf, and he was wonderful. But he had just come. So we called him, and he said, yeah, he would marry us. So it was Bill and I and Kathy and my son Gary and my mother. That's all that was there. We went up to the church and just had a nice little ceremony. And uh, we were married. And Orville, through the years, he'd tell people that Bill and I were the first couple he married when he moved here. (laughs) He was brand new in the church. Do you remember what you wore? Yeah, I had I had bought a dress. It was a very pretty kind of a lemon yellow, and it had some flowers on it. It was a really nice dress. It wasn't a Salvation Army dress. <laughs> I probably should not say that. I maybe could get sued for saying that. No, no, no. <laughs> it was a new dress. It was brand new. I had bought it to get married in and hung in the closet, and we never got married. And then all of a sudden, we were getting married, so I had my dress. I still have it. It was a very pretty dress. And so we got married and moved in this little cracker box house, and then we started remodeling. I'm enjoying this very, very much. I'm good. I'm glad. I am too. When you were getting engaged and getting ready to get married, did you ask your parents' opinion on Bill? No, they had known Bill for years and they liked him. He was just a nice guy. And I think they were very happy that it was Bill I was going to marry and not some loser. (laughs) No, they were happy. They they. Approved of it 100%. And everybody in Cable Hollow was happy because Bill was like a confirmed bachelor. And they had 
labeled him a confirmed bachelor that never was probably ever going to get married. I don't know if he ever, while I was in Florida, if he ever, I don't think he ever dated anybody. But he worked at the store, you know, like eight, ten hours every day. And I think he just didn't have time. But then when I came along, he took the time. <laughs> was he still working long hours when you were raising the family? Yes. Yes. Was that difficult? No, I dealt with it because I knew that was what he was used to and what he had done. You know, if he worked and people would say, oh, I called Bill 930 the other night. And I asked him to put a quart of milk out on the porch. And he said, I went, picked it up. And that was what Bill would do, things like that for people. And then he had a, an account, you know, people could charge things which this was not done much by that time. And people just relied on him to keep their family having food. And people would tell me that later on. Bill was Bill was our savior. He, he made sure that we had food. <laughs> now, I, I take it that Bill is no longer with us? No, he died in 2015. Emphysema. He smoked when he was in the service, but then he had quit smoking, but his lungs were really damaged. But we had a good life while he was still here. How have you been able to cope with his absence? I was doing okay because I have a lot of good friends and people, you know, that would stop by and uh, bring food to me and stuff. I mean, I think... I think I was well taken care of even when I was alone because then my kids would come and do things for me. Gary would come and do yard work and Kathy and Amy would come and cook meals and freeze them. So I, you know, I was getting along okay. I mean, I missed Bill a lot, but I was still able to go jump in the car and go downtown if I needed anything. Oh, that was, I think of that now. I wish I could go jump in my car and go downtown. Anyway, it wasn't too bad, but then before too long, Gary and Pam called and said they were moving up here, moving in to take care of me. So I wasn't alone, really, for almost a year, but that's, that's all. And then they came up. How did that feel when they told you that they wanted to move in with you? It was like, this is happening. Mm-hmm. There's not much I can do about it. They made up their mind. They want to come up here. It's okay with me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue with them, and it's going to help me out. So I guess I just said, well, you do your thing. And I appreciated them. And then Pam took over all the cooking and the laundry and cleaning. Gary takes me to my doctor appointments and uh, anywhere else I have to go. So you've mentioned a couple of times you're in pain. What What is ailing you? I went to a doctor in Warren, a great doctor, and he took x-rays and he said, my right hip is deteriorated. Mm. He said, I would never even attempt to replace your hip. He said, at your age, you'd end up in a nursing home, probably never be back in your home again. So he didn't do anything about this deteriorated hip. The hip is here. The pain is all up and down this leg and sometimes in my back. So it's a pain. Well, then I went to a new pain doctor who's over right over here across the bridge. Mm-hmm. I went to him and he moved to Warren and he's a brand new doctor in Warren. And he gave me shots in my hip. 
but the shots don't last too long. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had I had twice he put shots in his hip, and that's where the pain is, but it didn't relieve the pain very much. So I don't know. I think the only answer is to get rid of this deteriorated hip that's causing the pain. But I'm not going to do that, not at my age. I'm going to take my deteriorated hip with me (laughs) wherever I'm going. (laughs) If you could talk to young people about getting older, what would you tell them? Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I also add, you don't have a choice. Yeah. Uh, My old age hasn't been that unpleasant, just the pain. Just dealing with the pain and not being able to walk anymore. But the kids put me on my cart and wheel me around. Yesterday, Andrew and Nick, the ones with the cutest little baby girl in the world, were here. And so I went out to the table. And we Most of the time, they bring a tray in here for my meals. And it was great sitting at the table with the rest of the family. I'm not nearly as bad off as some people. I mean, I think of that. I think, oh. Oh, poor me, I'm in pain. I can't do anything anymore. I just sit here and I really am fortunate because I know there are people who are much worse off than I am. And then I don't want to go to a nursing home. I don't have to, but if I have to, I'll have to accept that. And we'll see. Who knows what's down the road. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, my gosh, that makes me feel on cloud nine, I was oh, so, so nice. upset about those fingernails. You've lived through a lot in your life. I really have. Thinking back, what are some historic milestones that stand out in your mind? Well, we lived, my husband, first husband and I lived on a farm up on Fox Hill. And I had the two boys and I didn't have my girl yet. And it was wonderful. Our life was so good. The boys could go out and tear around and play and help in the barn. And and I just, I was so happy there. And there were no houses near us. We were, we were the only house on the side of the hill there. And my mother and dad just lived up the road. So that was nice. So that was one of the highlights. It's just happy, happy, happy there on that farm. We had a dairy farm. Then my husband decided to move to Florida, so I went with him. I cried all the way to Florida, and I think I cried for a couple weeks in Florida, but because <laughs> I missed Pennsylvania and my parents and everything. But then we got our own house, and I got my job at the elementary school. And all of a sudden, I found that I really liked Florida a lot. It was very pleasant, you know, nice weather. And it was good good for the kids. They could play on the playground or, or the boys both played baseball. So I finally, you know, kind of got myself accustomed to Florida that I probably was going to live there the rest of my life. And I liked Florida. I still like Florida. I don't want to live there again, but if I had to, I could. And if you're in the right area with right people around you, it can be just as nice as living here, you know, just as pleasant. Mm-hmm. But then when my husband took off with 
the blonde, <laughs> uh, which he couldn't help it. He had he had emotions too, I guess. He could have helped it. He had three nice kids, and I thought that was a, a bummer for him to leave his kids like that. But anyway, coming back up here and settling in and then dating Bill and marrying him and buying this house, those were all big pluses for me. Do you remember living through, like, you lived through World War II yeah. and Vietnam? Yeah. It was... It was disturbing for me, you know, to know what was going on and listening to the news and everything. But I had three kids, and I had to adjust to being married again. And then we started remodeling this house. So I don't think I got myself as much involved, you know, like at that point. I was young, and I thought my kids needed me more than and I couldn't do anything about the war, but I remember feeling how awful, you know, I thought it was that we were in it. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, we I talked about it with friends and everything. But um, I was reading about in rural Pennsylvania, a lot of people really didn't feel too much of the effects of the war because they were already so poor. That's probably a part of it, too. Yeah. Everything was rationed. Gas was rationed. The sugar was rationed. Half your groceries were rationed. So you had to have tickets. I'm sure some people still have their tickets that they hung on to. But that was that was hard. But I remember just coping, just coping. But as far as the war, it was like it was disturbing and it was going on and it was unpleasant but I didn't sit around wringing my hands over it or anything but it was terrible and when you think of all those young men that were killed and both my brothers w went into the Navy and of course we worried about them a lot and warned kids every time you know read it in the paper and you'd think oh that might have been somebody we went to high school with or something and that was when it hit home when, when it came that close. It was very unpleasant. Now, you also have lived through the civil rights movement, and I know this area is historically a very white area. Do you remember meeting a black person for the first time? Not when I lived in Warren with my mother and dad. We went to Florida, and I got a job at Palm Beach Gardens Elementary School. And it was Pratt and Whitney and um, Sylvania, I think, Pratt and Whitney and Sylvania also. They had, they had plants up here in Warren, and they also had subsidiaries in Florida near where we lived. So most of the men in our neighborhood, they were white-collar and blue-collar people. Very, very nice. And, of course, the kids in school, they were nice kids and dressed well and behaved the civil rights movement came along, and we were told we had to have a certain percentage of black teachers and a certain percentage of black personnel. Well, I was working in the office, so the principal called me in, and he said, June, he said, I want you to know. And at that time, we needed a second secretary. We had always had to, but the one gal had quit to go into real estate. So anyway, he said, June, he said, I have to hire 
you know, a black person. I can't get around it. He said, how do you think about that? I said, it doesn't bother me a bit. You know, I, I, I'm not used to them. I didn't grow up with them, but I, I can work with them, sure. Well, this Mary Smith came in. Mary Smith was a delight. She sewed her own clothes beautifully. She sang in the choir. She had a beautiful voice. She was smart with the work that she did in the office. She was smart and gifted. And Mary and I just got along just great. And I like her. I don't know where she is now, but she was a nice, 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 nice person. So I kind of lucked out there. But anyway, Mary really was the first person I ever directly worked with. And that was a good beginning. That was my first encounter with black people. I don't think I ever knew or saw one in Warren because Warren didn't allow them. Can you imagine that? There was somebody that came to Warren and went to the Blue and White restaurant in Warren, and they kicked him out, and there was a big to-do about that in the paper. I don't know who he was, but can you imagine a nice little town apparently full of loving, giving, helpful, caring people and not wanting a black person? Now, Jamestown always had black people, but they didn't come into Warren. So I don't think I ever ran across them either. I heard that you have a, a good way of dealing with telemarketers, phone <laughs> scammers. Tell me about it. Well, most of the time I just answer them in a strange voice. So it's almost like a... That's so, my friend. He toots every time he goes by the house. Oh, yeah. Hi, friend. <laughs> I usually pick it up. It's always electric or telephone or uh -huh. oh, computer. Uh -huh. always, they're always wanting to fix my computer. Bill had a computer. I never had one, so I don't even have one. Anyway, then they start their spiel and they hang up on them. It's no big deal. I think I frighten them with the, with the way I answer. With your voice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna, I'll pretend I'm a, I'm a telemarketer. So you're going to call. Yeah. Ring, 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 ring. And then you. Hello. Answer. Hi, I'm, I'm looking for June. Is June there today? Click. <laughs> <laughs> because I sit here and I'm alone a lot of the time. I mean, I'm, I'm, I like it. I like my life as it is. But answering telemarketers gives me a little fun. Yeah. Diversion. What do you do with your time? I do crossword puzzles. I like to read and I nap sometimes. <laughs> That's an art. You have to learn how to nap properly. <laughs> Tell me about the art of napping. Well, you get comfortable in your chair and then you have to move your head to a certain spot and move it again. And then maybe you have to re reposition your seating and then you look out of the birds and of course I like music but I'm missing a radio out here so Kathy's going to get me a radio I like classical music nobody else does what about classical music do you like oh every bit of it I think it's amazing that those guys that many years ago could put so many notes together and make beautiful beautiful music some of it I don't like, but I do like operas. 
I had a friend down the road, Mary Donaldson. She and I had season tickets to the opera at Chautauqua. Have you heard about Chautauqua? Yeah, I've been there. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is one of my favorite places to be. They would have four operas a season. Mary was a school teacher, very interesting and conversationalist. So we'd drive all the way to Jamestown and have our dinner and then go to the opera, and it was great. It was so pleasant being with Mary. She lives in Warren now, so I see her once in a while. But it got so we were coming home later at night, and there were deer out, and it was dark. And some nights it was rainy and stormy, and we just decided we were getting too old to take that trip. I told you I worked at the Allegheny National Fish Hatchery. I was a secretary. That was a wonderful job. Everybody that worked there, we were just like one big family. People would ask me what I did at the hatchery, and I'd say, I teach the fish to swim. And they do a good job, except when it comes to the butterfly stroke, and then they're just lost. (laughs) (laughs) Almost every job I've had has been good. I've had good Pleasant people to work with and be with. If your life was a movie, what would it be titled? I'm thinking rags to riches, but that wouldn't suit because I never was in rags. And I never was rich. So that, don't just cancel that. Let me see. (laughs) (laughs) If you could sum your life up in one or two sentences, what would you say? It's always been good, except... When my husband left, that wasn't good. Most of the time, my life has been good. I lived a good life. That's what I would say. I lived a good life. How do you want your grandkids and great-grandkids to remember you? I hope they remember that I loved them dearly, and I lectured them a lot. <laughs> not not now that they're older, but poor Amy. She was in high school, and she would ride up to Chautauqua with me or all over, you know, to town and everything. And she got lectured about pronouncing her words right and spelling. Then we'd get in the car, and I'd start giving her spelling lessons. I think Amy probably got the worst of the deal because of her age. But anyway, uh, I would want them to remember that I tried hard to be a good grandmother and always be kind and I I think it worked out pretty well. They all seem to care for me a lot. Anything else you want to tell me about today? You're still a cutie. <laughs> thank you. Well, June, thank you so much for having me in your home today. This was a really fun conversation, and uh, I thank you. Well, thank you for coming. This has been the highlight, and I hope the conversation wasn't too... But this, getting my... Fingernails done was what I was looking forward to. Once Kathy told me about this, don't they look nice? Oh my gosh. Thank you for listening to Manny's with Grannies. I hope you enjoyed learning about someone else and maybe even learned a little about yourself. <laughs>